Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. This is Josh Wander. Uh, I'm in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh, and I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Moshe Lichtman of Beit Shemesh. Yes, hello, hello, and thank you for joining us on this special day, Tu Bishvat. Happy, happy Tu Bishvat, happy Tree Day. Happy Tree Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope you didn't say Tachnun, and that's about all that uh, there has to be said about that. Um, Israel Unplugged is where you get the unadulterated facts of where we are holding in the redemptive process, focusing primarily on the ingathering of the exiles. This is a live show, as always, so you are encouraged to call in and to give us your comments and your complaints. Uh, if you are somehow, you got stuck in North America and you're still there, and you may be at the airport waiting for your flight to Israel, give us a call at 301-768-4841, 301-768-4841. If you've already arrived in Israel and you've switched that SIM card, then you would be using the number 2 Six five zero zero one five one. That's zero two six five zero zero one five one. We encourage you to go visit our websites. Rabbi Lichtman's website is at toratzion.com. Toratzion.com. There you'll find a list of all of his books that he has published and all sorts of other activities that he's involved with. And we encourage you to go there and to support him. Likewise, we have our own website known as known as Bring Them Home. You can find that at it's time to leave.com. It's time to leave one word.com. And over there you will find a uh, many things, including this show and our podcast. You will also find our video series, which you can also find on YouTube. Uh, the video series that is at Israel Torah on YouTube, and we encourage you to go there and to sign up to subscribe and to press on notifications so you can be Notified when we uh, when we issue and when we produce our new videos, we have uh, now hundreds of videos that uh, include the whole idea of moving back to the land of Israel. We encourage you to do so, and we encourage all the Jews to come back home as soon as possible. And uh, we hope that we're going to have a very exciting show ahead of uh, ahead for you. And we have a special guest that will be coming on right after the commercial break. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back, and as promised before the commercial break, we have a special guest. His name is J.P. Katz. 
JP earned a CPA in Boston auditing and consulting for $100 million nonprofit organizations and attended Yeshiva in Eretz Israel before accepting a position in a kollel on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus. After two years in Madison, he founded a premier Jewish social and educational hub in Boston, Massachusetts, serving some of the nation's top graduate students and young professionals. After 12 years in Boston and his family recently moving to Israel, where he is focused full-time on creating content for English-speaking Jews across the globe, tribejournal.com, sorry, tribejournal.org, is currently focusing on everything Aliyah in in an effort to give Jews abroad a glimpse into what it takes to make the move to Israel and thrive here. Welcome to the show, JP. Thanks so much, Josh. Great to be here. So, JP, uh, you sound like you have an incredible background and you're now channeling it to an incredible place. I'd like to speak to you both about uh, what your your project is in general and specifically uh, in regards to Aliyah. So let's start with, in general, what does your uh, tribe journal specialize in? Well, we're, we create content uh, to tell stories. We, uh, sharing wisdom is our craft. Um, but primarily what happened was I was looking into how we could use uh, digital and social media for outreach purposes, and I, I went down a rabbit hole where I saw there's a tremendous... Um, uh, you know, tremendous uh, war going on online, as I'm sure you're well aware of, and everyone's feeling these days. And this was back in 2018. And the more I learned about it, the more I saw that a lot of the legacy organizations that were used to, you know, being the the major names out there were, were still playing ball in the 20th century, so to speak, by the 20th century rules. And a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the playing field has changed. So that was my introduction to digital um, really was intended for outreach, and then I realized that there's a greater story that needs to be told, the story of Israel, because we're, we're totally being misrepresented out there, um, not only to, our, you know, to, to the nations of the world, but also to our own people uh, throughout North America and beyond. Incredible. So you, I know that you were involved in a project that was dealing with the polarization of different Jews, Jewish groups in America. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, we did a documentary and uh, said it because we we met with uh, I met with C level executives at some of these legacy institutions, and uh, I realized that you know I, I would sound like a conspiracy theorist if, if, if based on their level of knowledge of the media landscape. And uh, so I created this documentary, and it ended up I did a follow up in in twenty twenty um, recently to to just give more details so that these C level executives and board members could really better understand. Um, how the war is being fought and, and and how we need to really play ball in that arena. Um, so that that was basically the birth of Tribe Journal. I always use it for key roof stuff, but you know to like communicate to our students out there in Boston and keep everybody warm and and uh, happy and and having fun. But and I realized that we really need to we need to play ball in that arena. So, that, so there are two documentaries essentially, uh, which which articulate the the challenges that our generation faces. Can you expand a little bit more on this idea, this conspiracy theory that, that you're referring to when it comes to the polarization of Jews in America? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, the best thing is to just go to tribejournal.org. Um, I have to actually put the document, I'll put it up on the front uh, page for a little bit longer. Um, right now it's, it's buried by a lot of uh, awesome content about Israel. But um, in general, the, essentially what happens is the the... the the undersecretary during the uh, Obama administration, John, John Kerry's undersecretary, Richard Stengel, who uh, 
he cre- he wrote a book if, which is very informative um how how we're losing the information war and uh, in the book he talks about China and Russia both each spending over a billion dollars to destroy the United States from within to get us to destroy ourselves so to speak and the way that's uh that was that was being done is through exploiting the in-group out-group dynamics um so that was that's been going on for a long time i mean you you can go back to the elections uh, it's a no-brainer that it's happening, but how it's being how it's being fought is is what I think people need to tune into. Um, more specifically, uh, you know, they, they found that uh, in March of 2022, for example, there was a study at Carnegie Mellon University where they found that over 50 percent of the top 2021 tweets, the probably. Top, say again. 2021, I'm guessing. So, no. so they found that the, the top tweets, the top thousand uh, tweets were 50 percent of the top thousand tweets were actually bots. They weren't human beings. They were robots. So whereas if you go back to 2018, the, the there may have been like a, a troll farm in Russia with with employees that were, you know, sitting there in front of computers and creating fake fake accounts and, and trying to, you know, troll and manipulate and change the, you know, the, now you have these, these robots that are actually creating entire like, uh, you know, communities of people that. Of fake accounts that work in in coercion with each other to actually manipulate and radicalize different groups. For example, you might have the evangelical right uh, being radicalized to neo-Nazi groups um, on Twitter, and you may have uh, you know uh, moderate imams uh, being radicalized to ISIS. And so this was what Richard Stengel was charged with, and um, and so that that's continuously evolving that whole that whole uh, ecosystem that of of this new warfare. Uh, is continuously involving, and so that's that really catalyzed me to say, well, you know, you have like, for example, around the corner from me, Josh, where I was living in Boston, there was a, a rabbi was stabbed on the synagogue steps, and um, it, it was it was it was actually quite frightening. And you think these things only happen in Israel, but they actually happen abroad in, in the United States, right in my backyard, practically. And um, and so when 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 I spoke to Channel Five, I, I you know the, the five Channel Five News, I, I said, you know, you're, you're probably going to paint this story as a another anti-Semitic attack, you know, against a Jew or a synagogue or whatever it is. But the reality is, is it's, it's, it's probably stemming uh, more accurately from a in-group, out-group dynamic that's being exploited. And so people are being radicalized online. And what we're seeing, especially when we saw the Gaza war against Israel, uh, we, we, you know, we're seeing people actually take that, you know, what they're consuming on on social media and and actually that violence is spilling out into the streets of new york and la and boston miami you name it we saw violence everywhere in in in, uh in may of this year so uh, of 2021 i'm still not understanding exactly what this dynamic you're referring to is when it comes to specifically the jewish community and how there's polarization of the jewish community I'm, i'm understanding that there's a greater conspiracy going on through technology but how does this how does this uh, break down to the Jewish community, and how does this affect the Jewish community today in America? Well, I, I, I'm referring to actually anti-Semitism against the Jewish community. That that oh, okay. there, there are, yeah, yeah. Any, but the truth is, any in-group, out-group dynamic is is something that will be exploited and you know, 10x or 100x on online. For example, within the community. Uh, it may be that the Jewish community is becoming polarized by, for example, vaccines or something like this, you know, whereas if a person was a member of a, a right-leaning versus a, a left-leaning group, they may be getting sucked down a totally different, uh, you know, fit internet filter bubble and echo chamber where they're going to be fed different 
um, you know, information that that would be politically aligned and strategically, you know, cross-sectional uh, politics would be using those those groups to create these dynamics within communities. So it's not so much about, you know, me and me and my Jewish neighbor here in Israel, uh, you know, screaming at each other about vaccines, but it's more about the, you know, if there's a, uh, if there are campaigns that are not in, and let's say someone's living in, in, a, in, in a city in the, in the United States, right? So they may okay. be consuming information among, you know, amongst their peers and community members online, etc. And uh, they may not realize that their neighbor could be consuming a totally different narrative, a totally different understanding of what's happening in the world. You know, the, the, the classic anti-Semitic tropes, etc. And um, and that person, their neighbor, their own neighbor, might be radicalized. You know, to to you know fuel anti-Semitism against Jews. So I'm I'm speaking more of the in-group, out-group dynamic between you know anti-Semites and Jews or whatnot. Um, but but it for sure manifests as well. In, in I mean. You could talk to most people today, and they have family members where they cannot talk politics anymore, and that's the, that's part of the reason why. It's because everything's just become so polarized. It's about in-group, out-group dynamics. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not going to regret uh, this question, but uh, oh. I'm very, very curious <laughs> uh, as to what your answer is going to be. Who who is pulling the strings, and what is their end goal? I mean, only Hakadosh Baruch Hu is pulling the strings, right? He ultimately Hakadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. Um, but I, I think that it's, it, it would be, you know, I think it's very difficult to identify any one particular person or organization that's pulling the strings. You have competing, um, you have, comp- you know, Ray Dalio just just basically, you know, wrote a book about how America is likely to fall. I mean, <laughs> what they don't tell you is what Ray Dalio is betting, right? Did he, it, did he divest from American companies? Is he, is he bullish or bearish about America? We know. But how is his portfolio looking these days, right? And so you have a lot of different, um, you know, forces at play where, you know, it's not just China versus the United States. There's a lot of very powerful countries and individuals throughout the world that, that um, you know, that, that, that have, that have uh, interests. And, they, and then if this is the way that those interests are, you know, thought to be accomplished, then, then that's, that's what they're going to do. So it's, it's, it, it could be the same old, same old in, in the general, um, you know, digital sphere but at the but with china for example or russia or both are are uh, strategically attempting to destroy the united states by getting it to destroy itself essentially by creating a civil war then i think by all measures they're doing a very good job if that is in fact if richard stengel the undersecretary during john kerry right under john kerry if he was in fact correct very fascinating okay i i think that uh, we are going to conclude this segment but we will be back for the next segment. If you're interested in what JP has to share, the next segment is going to be even more exciting because we're going to discuss his specifically his Aliyah project, his video uh, uh, series that he is creating. And I'm very excited about that. We're going to play you a little bit of it. We're going to talk about it. And uh, we will be right back right after these messages. The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. Welcome back, and again, we are back here with our special guest, J.P. Katz, and his special project that he has, and now we're going to be uh, more concentrating on the Aliyah aspects of his project, and I'm just going to play you a small clip of his newest and latest video. Um, I don't think we're hearing it. Josh, did you... You're not hearing it? No, 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 we're not hearing it. Uh, I'm not hearing it. Okay, if you're not hearing it, then then we're just going to have to play it another time. Uh, okay, JP, sorry. it's all right. JP, <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about your Aliyah, your Aliyah video series. What is the goal? What is, what? Tell me what. Tell me all about it. Me, give me the background. So I was in the United States. I, first of all, I grew up in the United States, and um, I spent uh, six years in Israel. So I'm not really Ole Chadash, right? But um, that then after 14 years in, in the United States and, and outreach front lines, I, 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 I realized that what the image we have of what's happening on the ground is oftentimes associated with our, our trips here or the time that we spent here. And so if you, have, if you think about like an entire Jewish community, you know, a lot of people take a gap year. But um, every time I would bring a busload of students to, to Israel, I would, I would see it's a totally different country every single time. And so uh, when, it, when we landed, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of like talking to people in my community and whatnot, like what is, what's going on in Israel, like the whole Matthias has changed. The reality on the ground, I think, has changed tremendously. Every five years, it's a different country. And, um, and so we found that, and I, and I just want to basically articulate that to the world. I want people to see. I want to bring them, you know, a firsthand from someone who lives here is going through the process, so to speak, you know, a, a, an approach, a, a, an inside look at what's happening in the various communities throughout Eretz Israel. Um, people are, it's not necessarily in everyone's consciousness, the, even the idea to make Aliyah or to move here or to live here. And, um, and I think that uh, it's an important, important message to uh, put out there to the world, not only to set the record straight from misinformation about Israel, right, to give nations of the world, whoever, I mean, we need to show them what, what Israel is all about, but also to more, more specifically to show the Jewish community what, what opportunities uh, exist here in this incredible country. I think I may have found a solution for uh, playing that, so let me just try one more time. We heard a little bit of it, and then it stopped. Josh, it's that's not playing. If anyone wants to see it, it's on tribejournal.org, and uh, you can watch yeah, the entire video there if you'd like. It's basically you know a sample of what's to come, and um, and uh, yeah, there, Josh, are we good to go? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's still trying to play it. Uh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't realize it's not. It's not coming out so great. It, okay. Did you hear that? Not very no. well. No. Not no. Very, no, okay, no, okay. no. No. The technical no. difficulties. I apologize. Yeah. The tribejournal.org uh, for anyone to... who wants to take a look. Uh, it's also up on YouTube yeah, you at tribejournal. Tribejournal.org, and you can find you can find it over there. It is uh, called "Why Are So Many Young People 
making the move to Israel, and uh, and it, it's a great video. I have to admit it from also from a professional standpoint, but also the content of it, the idea that you're going to the communities, you're speaking to real individuals that have made Aliyah. Uh, professionals speaking to them about them their their experience about their professions how they're uh, how they're adapting to life in Israel and uh, I think it's a great great project. Thanks, right. George. I, I also, just we're, add, not, we're not looking to sell it. it. And, uh, this isn't about selling exactly. Israel. It's not about convincing anyone. People need to make educated decisions, and the only way you can do that is with information. So we're going to be presenting it as it is. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of different types of schools. We want to talk to Menahalim. We want to talk to Rabbanan and Shuls, uh, community members, people who've made Aliyah, people who've, who've struggled and are thinking of going back. You know, people need to learn about the Metzias if they're going to make an educated decision. It's not to convince anyone, and I think that that's something that's really needed out there in, in the uh, in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that the people you <clears throat> interviewed were all religious Jews. Is that going to be, you know, the, all the videos specifically so, about re- how religious Jews are um, are faring here in Israel? Um, not necessarily, but I do have a lot of friends and uh, some are clients, you know, that we're working with to help get content out there. Uh, for example, Operation Home Again, um, we just were at, we, that's with uh, Rabbi uh, Shimon Appesdorf. Uh, we have uh, uh, some friends in Nachliel and uh, Kedushas Tion. Those are more religious oriented, uh, you right. know, events and, and programs for religious communities. Um, but we're also looking at the non, the less religious uh, communities as well, and and seeing that what the experience with them. But I think for, at first, given the fact that you know the largest the largest bucket. Um, demographic bucket of of people uh, were, was the the Orthodox communities. I think that it makes uh, sense to to give you know give those communities the uh, the microphone first. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> uh, Josh, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. I, I think. That, well, tell me, tell me again. I, I, maybe I don't want to. <laughs> I'm getting I'm hesitant to go down this rabbit hole again. But uh, what is the connection between um, what you described in the first segment, this this uh, so-called conspiracy theory about uh, technology, the take- takeover of technology in the world, and this specifically, and and if there is uh, a conspiracy to take over technology and change the minds of people around the world, specifically when it comes to Jews and anti-Semitism, um, why why do you feel that using this um, platform of YouTube and and like how don't you think you're going to be shadow banned and they're if they don't want people to hear this they're not going to play it for them right so there's two things first of all I, I don't think it is a conspiracy theory I think there's factual information if you look at the documentaries it's you know professors from MIT Stanford Carnegie Mellon I mean some of the top professors in the top universities are on the documentary explaining what's going on and this is a real threat that's been discussed at length and you know the Pentagon has allocated significant resources to battle it etc so I, it's definitely not it's definitely not a, a theory as much as it's reality and it's the, who's conspiring it remains to be seen I think it's you know it's definitely the it's the way the people do business today so um, it's just a, more a description of the reality of of the of the way that people interact with the world, people are spending ten hours a day on on their cell phones, right? I mean that that's just unheard of twenty years ago, right? But 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 when it comes but to but you've Aliyah, decided to utilize mainstream exactly. mainstream platforms. Yeah, so, so, to, so my to my, my intention message. was never to like you know, my intention was 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 outreach, and now, and now that I'm here, I see that some of the biggest outreach we can do to try and connect people and and 
and put put uh, Judaism and Israel into the consciousness of our people is by creating content that resonates with them and that speaks to them, inspires and informs them about what Israel is all about. And part of that picture, it's, we're not just going to be focusing on Aliyah forever. I mean, this is just a series, and we also have to discuss other very important things. We've spent some time in the West Bank. We've spent some. We're going to hopefully be spending some time on other. Uh, important issues that that uh, that are that are relevant to Israel and to Jews in America, etc. So, um, but this is the main focus because it, it is so important to. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people. You tie you know, this, the chatter in the shoals at the Kiddush and, and you know on the phones. People are talking about Aliyah. You know, there's people who never there's rabbanim, very big rabbanim, are talking about the future of Orthodox Jewry in America. And, and a very, you know, they're very bearish about it. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's probably one of the biggest issues of our time. And um, so I want to make sure that people have the information they need to, to make decisions that are going to be good for them and their family, not just in the short term, but in the long term. What kind of responses have you gotten to your, uh, to your video? Um, responses from who? From anyone, from the, from the general public, from your friends, from your clients, whoever, whoever's watched it and, as commented, yeah, I think I think you know we're 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 getting calls. Uh, you just called me. I mean, people call all the time and they want to know more. Um, there, there are there are individuals back home, uh, back in the United States, that call me all the time and or they message me. What an incredible video! Thank you so much. We need more of this. Um, I think people are. It's really on their radar, and and um, you know we, we we hope to. This is early in the game. It's very early in the game right now. Um, we're talking about major, major shifts happening in the world, and um, and I think that you know everyone knows that there's there you know but by a tsunami, I always compare it to a tsunami. No one can really know the future, right? But but a tsunami has a big wave at first, and then the wave sort of the water like goes out, and then there's a giant wave. You know, as we have you know I think there were four thousand Americans that that made Aliyah to Israel in 2021, and every they're all experiencing. Yeah, from North America, right? So they're, they're all experiencing living in Israel now, and they're talking to their friends back home in their communities. They're talking to the Rebbeim. Some of the Rebbeim come to visit. Now they see another uh, pocket of community here in Israel when during the Rebbeim's visit. Um, you have all of this sort of word of mouth happening. Jonah Berger, Professor Jonah Berger at the, at, uh, the Wharton School, said I think 7% of word of mouth happens online. You'd think it's much greater than that, but it's really the offline word of mouth that, that, that happens. But the more you can create opportunities and ease of share, you know, to, of this information, of uh, this information can spread more easily, and people can get the word out about what it is like here. And so, um, I think that I think that we're very, very early in the game here in terms of Aliyah in general, and um, and we hope to really, you know, help help facilitate that by giving organizations and individuals um, videos that are palatable, fun to watch, very informative, and very easy to share. So once uh, people have been hooked and they like your content and they like your idea, do you push them over to uh, what I call the how organizations, the logistical, bureaucratical organizations like Nefesh Benefesh that help people how they should make Aliyah? You only have about yeah. 30 seconds left. Yeah, answer. absolutely. I mean, we, we're, we're not, I'm not going to hold someone's hand through the process. My, I feel that our role is to create the content that might inform and inspire them to look into it more. So Nefesh Benefesh was very helpful, very, very helpful for us, and, and we hope that people will 
continue to reach out to Nefesh Benefesh. They have a fantastic website with a lot of information. Um, and uh, there's other organizations, like there are literally communities trying to make Aliyah together right now. Operation Home Again, as I mentioned before, OperationHomeAgain.org, uh, .com, sorry, is, um, you know, they have, they have like a whole mission. Yeah, we have to, to conclude. Start. JP, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, we will have you on again, hopefully. Take care. Okay, all the best, Josh. Thanks. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Local Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. And uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, today is a special day. Today is Tu Bishvat. And, um, you know, it's hard to call it a Chag. It's, uh, just just to month. translate for people, that's the 15th day yeah, of yeah, the Hebrew month of Shvat. Vav, which equals to 15, the 15th of the month of Shvat, the Hebrew month of Shvat, which is always in the middle of the winter. Um and it's really a very halachic day, meaning the you know everyone it's been made out uh, in the in in recent years to be the chag like there's a very famous uh, nursery school uh, song to be chag le'ilanot it's the it's the holiday for the trees. It's not really a chag. It's not really I think the JNF is the one that started that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they plant trees, and that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to plant trees in the land of Israel. It's a big mitzvah to plant trees in the land of Israel. But it's really a halachic uh, concept, and it's certainly not the scope of this show to go through exactly what it, what it represents in a halachic sense. But... It has already for for quite a while, especially in Kabbalistic circles, become something more of a celebration of the fruits of the land of Israel, especially in our day when when the Jewish people have returned to the land of Israel. And, you know, we've spoken about this many times that the, the rabbis tell us that the greatest sign of the redemption is when the land of Israel once again yields its fruit for the Jewish people. Now, again, I have to understand, the Gemara, the Talmud itself says that that is the greatest, the clearest sign of the redemption. And when that actually is happening before our very eyes, we have to understand that that means that redemption is really happening. So, so I view 
it really as a as a celebration of the return of the Jewish people to the land, which comes comes come with that comes the the rejuvenation of the land of Israel and the giving of the fruits and you know there's there's this amazing story that uh, that I once read and I actually put it in one of my books. Um, one of the great rebbes, the Hasidic masters of bells. His name was, I'm just looking for it. Give me one second. Um, hmm, sorry. Of Aaron. Was it one of Aaron of bells? Um, no, 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 no. I just, I just read it a second ago. Oh, here it is. Uh, you're right. Rabbi Aaron of bells. Rabbi Aaron of bells was saved from the Holocaust and he made it to the land of Israel. And he used to have a custom of being, he was very meticulous about only eating fruits from the land of Israel. And one year they had a big Tu Bishvat, uh, or actually, well, I don't think it was on Tu Bishvat. I think it was, it was just a regular tish, which the Hasidim have on Friday nights where they sit around with the Rebbe and he, and he speaks and they eat uh, his shirayim, his leftovers, etc. So it was in the beginning of the years of the State of Israel in the 1950s, and it was a hard time. It was a difficult time uh, monetarily. And, uh, you know, he, he provided for his Hasidim uh, apples, apples from Eretz Yisrael, from the land of Israel, and um, they weren't the greatest quality. So in the middle of the tish, in the middle of this um, this gathering, let's call it, he noticed that there were two uh, Hasidim, two of his followers, who were talking to each other, like whispering to each other. And they were from the land, they were from outside the land of Israel. They had come special to spend time, you know, in in, in the presence of the Rebbe, but uh, they were from from America. And he saw them whispering, and he called them over in front of everybody, and he said, I want you to tell everybody what you were saying. And they were very embarrassed because they knew what they said was not, uh, was, was not going to find so much favor in the eyes of the Rebbe, but they, were, they had no choice because and the Rebbe said, you have, to t- you have to tell us. So they said simply that next time when they come, they're going to bring really good apples from, from the diaspora, from America. The Rebbe turned to them and said, go and wash your mouths out. And he insisted that they leave and wash their mouths out and then come back to him. And when they came back, they, he, he said to them, I want you to repeat after me three times. The apples of the land of Israel are good, are nice, and are tasty. The apples of the land of Israel are good, Nice looking and tasty. And they have to repeat that three times in front of everybody. Um, there is something very special about eating fruits of the land of Israel, especially when those fruits really represent, as I said, the um, the redemption, the redemption of the Jewish people. Let's not forget, 100 years ago, or 200 years ago, right, for sure, there, there were almost no fruits at all in the land of Israel. The land of Israel was desolate as part of the curse of the exile is that the land of Israel is going to be, is going to lay fallow, lay desolate all the time that the Jews are, are in exile because the land doesn't give its strength and its beauty and its, uh, its fruits to, to foreigners, for those, to those who are not her children. 
And therefore, when the Jewish people started coming back in the early 1900s, the late 1800s, so the land started waking up and started giving giving out its fruits. So to me, Tu Bishvat is an expression of our appreciation to God that he has begun the redemption of the Jewish people, and he has given us the opportunity to eat the holy fruits, and we have to understand they're holy. They are very holy fruits. Uh, of the land of Israel, something that our forefathers, our our ancestors could only have dreamt of. I, I have to admit that I'm a little bit cynical about the whole holiday, um, and I'm not going into the whole halachic uh, background. Of course, this uh, the roots of it are from the Talmud that says that there are, we have four different New Years, and one of them is this today, the Tu B'Shvat for, for the trees. What exactly that means and what uh, ramifications it has for us today is is less clear, and I, I find it a little bit strange that it's been taken over. And again, I'm not I'm I'm all for fruits of Israel. I'm all for planting trees here, but it's been so, sort of taken over by JNF and Karen Kayem at Israel as a day that uh, there's a mitzvah to plant trees. So there's always a mitzvah to plant trees, and it's, of course not during Shemitah we don't plant trees. Um, but in general, for, for at least six years uh, during the seven-year cycle, we, we are encouraged to plant trees, and that's part of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Um, I, always, I also find it a little bit strange that everybody, a lot of people here in Israel are eating dried fruits that come from abroad, because the whole idea is to eat fruits from Eretz Yisrael. So make sure to eat the right fruits and not the ones that are coming from other places and putting, again, on the side, the whole question of, of bugs, bug infestation in these things and, and health considerations. Uh, are you actually eating the fruits of Eretz Yisrael? If you are, I think that this is an amazing idea. Again, I don't think it's necessarily only for Tubishvat. It's something that's around the year a good idea. Uh, and I, I just took a group of uh, YU kids yesterday on a tour. They had a very interesting uh, couple weeks where they were going around the country uh, from farm to farm, talking and learning the different halachas of Shemitah. And their goal was to eat the fruits of Eretz Yisrael in every place through Otsar Bezdin during the year, the sabbatical year that we're in. There's a special technique, a special mechanism in order to be able to eat the fruits Generally, the fruits are considered to be ownerless. So, if you go into a field, you can go in and you can, you can, you can. Of course, the, those fruits are the ones that are growing, starting to grow now, which means they're only going to be uh, next year. The have the special holiness of uh, of uh, the sabbatical year. But those fruits you can take directly from the field and you can eat them. If you can't, then there's an, another mechanism called otsar beitin that the Jewish court is able to disseminate uh, these fruits to to other people and just charge whatever the cost of the expenses are and not to actually uh, charge for the actual fruit. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. They went from place to place eating the fruits and the vegetables here in Eretz Israel. And at the end, they came here, and I took them at the, the last stop to Harazetim, to the Mount of Olives, where they went to the grave of Rav Cook. Why did they go to the grave of Rav Cook? Because the one that was organizing this tour, his name is Ari Bergman, he had a letter, a handwritten letter from Rev Cook speaking about Shemitah and the importance of, uh, of eating the fruits during Shemitah, eat, partaking of the fruits that have this special holiness of the seventh sabbatical year, and that one should not necessarily rely on other loopholes like the Heter Mechira of, being, of selling it out over to non-Jews in order to be able to partake of these fruits or to save the land. Uh, but one should eat specifically eat of these fruits, and I find I, I think we spoke about it before. I, I always found it strange that people try to find all these different loopholes to get away from 
eating the fruits in the seventh year when Hashem, God gives us a special gift once every seven years. Usually you can only eat food that has Kedushah, that has this holiness imbibed in it. Um, you can only do that in a specific place, specific people in Yerushalayim, Kohanim. But once every seven years, God gives to all the Jewish people in the land of Israel the opportunity to eat fruit that has this special holiness in it. And we, we're given this gift, and often we try to find all sorts of loopholes in order to not eat it because it's too complicated. And this happens, I, I've seen when I was in the United States with a lot of fruits, even during the rest of the, the years, that they find fruits that come from Israel. They say, oh, we have to take tithes, we have to do truma, maisa, we don't know how to do that, that's too complicated, let's not buy fruits from Israel. It's very sad because, again, God gives a special, special um, blessing uh, of, this, of these fruits, and it's special for, not only does it help support the economy of Israel, but it also has a special holiness to it that everyone should partake of. Of course, during the sabbatical year, it has to stay within the borders of the land of Israel. But uh, we are running out of time, and I thank you so much for joining with us. Another great show. We had a great guest, and uh, we wish everybody a happy Tu B'Shvat, a, uh, the, the, the New Year's of Trees. Rabbi Lichtman, do you have any final words? Right, and hopefully uh, next year, by next year, you'll be able to celebrate with us here in the land of Israel. Even this eat, year. And yet, well, I'm saying next Tu B'Shvat and <laughs> eat of the holy fruits of the land of Israel. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Torres from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.